Welcome to the Dr. DJ Podcast, sponsored by LGBG, Let God Be God. I'm your host, Dr. DJ. Today, I'm here with another special guest, um, V. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I appreciate you. <laughs> we'll probably keep that little portion, but we, we stumbled mm-hmm. through. But, uh, V, um, you sent me a message, and um, I, I thought it was very important. Um, also, just kind of knowing you and other ways we've been. We've done the, um, the Yale... Fashion pop up. Um, I've seen you at um, what's the name of the uh, the event we just left? Wind down. Connected. Wind down. I'm sorry. You know, yeah. just I don't. You're not. They don't normally get invited. So that was, that was a special. <laughs> that was a special invite that I got. Yeah. Wind down special event. So seeing you as the entrepreneur that you that you've been, the fashion creator. Um, I always thought that there was more to the story, and so I actually read the bio. Um, ask the questions. And so I think that you have a larger story that's not told. And so I want to give you space to kind of tell the story. And But I but I got some questions, though. Okay. Well, I might got some answers for you. I hope, I hope, you, I hope you do. So t- t- tell, the, tell the story of all the things that you've done. So obviously, let me give it the nuts and bolts. So obviously, you, you recognize yourself as a serial entrepreneur, um, military vet, um, spent time in law enforcement, been in D.C., Atlanta, um, Graduate of Georgia Tech? I didn't graduate, but I went there. Okay, so yeah, an, att- an attendee of Georgia Tech, which is a which is phenomenal, yeah. and also practicing engineer mm-hmm. by by day. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. So I have um, an associate's degree from University of Maryland. Um, so I finished up my studies in the DMV area. Yeah. Okay, there you go. Yep, yep. And um, I'm currently still in school, trying to get my bachelor's. Um, but yeah, I've been in the industry now for about ten years. Work as a construction engineer. And um, the field that you met me in, like you said, um, is more fashion related. Um, I love fashion. You know, I have my own clothing line and I've worked as a model with a lot of brands. Um, and I'm also a visual artist. So that's my passion. So you wear a lot of hats. And so I think today's, for those folks, we are we, it's improv, but it's unscripted. Um, so I went to your Instagram and I will get a tag at the end. I got, I was very fascinated by the three posts you had that my name isn't. Mm. And... From everyone that's watched our season one and all the other people that were there, um, whether it's protecting the name, being identified by a particular name, but you have this thing about my name isn't, but you wear a lot of hats. And also you wear hats. You wear a lot of hats, too. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. I love hats. <laughs> Literally. I love, love a good fedora. Yeah, I do customs. You know, shout out to Guru and Bros. I'm a model for them as well. Um, Booty Fashion Week, all of them. Um, but yeah. You know, I I definitely identify just as an artist first. Um, I say serial entrepreneur because I have several businesses. Uh, But yeah, like, you know, when you talk about some of the things that we were talking about that kind of started, you know, um, us getting to this point to be on a podcast was like things that's going on in the world right now with um, women of color in particular going into uh, Black History Month. You know, we recently had we, we recently lost a colleague at Lincoln University um to suicide dr bailey yeah yeah after um you know she had already filed a lot of things against the school you know um for harassment and bullying and then we recently had um another another phd um you know the first woman of color to head harvard um recently stepped down as well and so it seems like there's a lot going on in the education industry dr gay you know and since i work at yale right now um it's just to me, it seemed like a very relevant topic. And I've seen your podcast, you know, you guys speak a lot about uh, mental health and, and regarding black men. And I was like, you know, we need to 
talk about the conversations for the women because it's very relevant right now. It's very needed. And I know that you support the women. You, you know, know it. Shout out to Lo, you know, Wind Down Crew. And there's a lot of women in New Haven um, in the in the industry that are doing a lot of good things. So I just wanted to touch on those topics. And I love that. And I love that we want to talk about that topic and I want to create that space for it. And I think that um, called to the moment to have these conversations um, because one thing I think about, even it, I want to get to that topic about what's happening with our women in terms of creating safe spaces and space institutional spaces that are creating uh, mental health crises and or breaks as we talked about. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm wrapping that around why the mental break happens around your theme around what my name isn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so bringing it to that, you know, that's definitely um, so obviously that's a that's a nod to. Spike Lee, who um, has She's Gotta Have It Be Revamped recently. Uh, it was a Netflix special that inspired me as an artist. Um, I haven't seen the original film. You know, my, my father, who's black, um, had me watch a lot of those films as a child. And he spoke to me about, you know, the deeper meaning of all of them. And so when I watched the, um, the series, she's an artist. The main character is an artist. And it really touched me as a visual artist. So I started a series of projects. And the My, my Name Isn't project was basically photography. Um, I did a photo shoot as a model. It was my first nude photo shoot I had done. And um, the series you're referring to, I, I did a crop of just my profile for my head. And I took, you know, the My Name Isn't series and just kind of, like, took it for myself and said, what do I not identify with? You know, because mm. as, as a woman of color in my field, I work in construction. You know, I work at an Ivy League. And I did go to a PWI predominantly for my undergraduate studies. So there's a lot of things that I get called that I don't identify with. And so that was part of what the series was about, me taking back um, what I don't identify with as an artist. And I, I posted that. And a lot of my friends really liked it. That reengineering is is important. Uh, <clears throat> I'm not – I mean, you could tell me if it's intentional or not. I think we sometimes as artists, we know what we are. Also, as an athlete, even as athletes, we we think that our artistry is in running fast. I don't know particular moves, but in the in the grand scheme, they always know what they are. Mm-hmm. And the threat to self to self preservation, yeah, is answering names that are not who we are. Correct. And so I think it becomes important. Like, how do we, how, how do you kind of navigate? the isms of what I'm not, of what I'm not, because I probably, it's more likely that me or you are probably going to be called by names that, that we're not, depending on circumstance. And if I don't, if I don't put on that suit or something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, we talked about that, right? Yeah. I was like, dang, you didn't tell me where I was dressing up today. Every time I see this guy, he's got on a fly suit. Then I come in today, he got on a t-shirt. But this you is know, my real life. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> this is me too, right? Like some days you catch me one way or another. It's never in between, so... Yeah, no, I love that, though. It's just like I think part of it in the beginning is always identifying first, right? So knowing who you are first is very important. And then speaking on that first before people can address you is also important, I think. Um, a lot of people, to, to my point, we're coming up on Black History Month, which has been, again, taken away. You know, they try not to identify February as that month. And so I think it's very important as, as people of color to always make sure that we're still educating each other. And part of that is letting people know what you are. So I am, you know, a black and Asian woman. Mm-hmm. My mother is an immigrant. You know, my father's in the military. They did not meet in the country that she was born in. You know, they met in Chicago. <laughs> you know, so it's like, I think um, 
taking back your own narrative and identifying first is very important because if you don't speak, other people will speak for you, you know, and I've learned that, like I said, working in a corporate field. So, you know, part of, like I said, one of my, my name isn't uh, photos was my name isn't sir, you know, cause as a masculine presenting woman in the corporate world, some people are really, really taken aback by that or offended or are aggressive towards you. And so a lot of people will address me as sir in meetings. Mm. And so I don't respond to it. You know, I, I literally don't. So you they could be talking. Meeting, like, just like, yeah. You know, if they address me as if they address me as anything other than ma'am, Mrs. or or just my name, I won't respond. And and then they'll ask me why I'm not responding. And I'll tell them, Oh, I didn't know who you were speaking to. You know, so it's like us not responding now is a privilege that our ancestors didn't necessarily have. Right. Mm. So, again, taking that back and standing in it, you know, I think is very, very important. The privilege of not answering. Um, you you wear and you wearing all those hats and not answering to those names. Um, do you negotiate any of those things in any of those places? <sighs> I do. I do. Sometimes I pick and choose like we all do. Right. Um, so, for instance, in the fashion industry. Um, right now, androgyny is a big thing. So where, you know, again, I identify as a masculine presenting gay woman. Mm -hmm. um, I only date women. However, you know, I, I dress feminine sometimes and I dress masculine sometimes. So sometimes people call me they, you know, they misgender me. They'll call me these different genders. And in the fashion industry, if someone were to call me they while I'm dressed androgynous, that's a compliment. They're trying to give me the right gender. Right. Okay. So I would allow for that to occur. You know, whereas, again, if I'm in the office where I'm presenting as such, I have a very feminine demeanor. You know, I speak as this. My pronouns are listed in my email signature <laughs> and you want to address me as sir. That's not acceptable. <laughs> so that's what we're not going to do. You know what I mean? So it just depends really on the scene. And I kind of I'm very fluid when it comes to a lot of things. And that's one of them. You know, you as an artist and me as a researcher, I think you're, you're going to be a researcher very soon too. I mean, experiencing life. Um, you speak a lot about this. You have more experience in the spatial realities, like in the day to day. Like I think mm -hmm. that folks have seasons of different things that they experience, they're practicing, exploring. Um, when you talk about your day to day, like you said this morning, like I got some time to get some work in. Now I don't know what that meant. That could have been that could have been on a job. That could have been some fashion. That could have been some creative jewelry work. Um, but interaction with people. Like your spatial reality changes throughout the day. That's very true. Um, and I also think that's a great contrast of just talking about what my name isn't mm -hmm. in the context of when we talk about mental health. Yeah. Because you're moving through spaces, dealing with what I would say my name isn't is a is a subset of what we would consider what a microaggression could cause. Yes. Constantly being not affirmed in the identity that I want to live in, not to acknowledge me in the way that I've already told you to acknowledge me in. Mm. Um, and then I and then I come off as like, I'm going to tell you what I'm not. Right. And that's the only part they heard. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, they pay attention to that, right? They, they pay attention to that. That's important. How do, you, how do you talk about that in the context of mental health? In the academy, in corporate America, in institutions... Um, in our schools and just in general, in terms of individuals trying to find identity, that's a larger question. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man, that's such a such an open question. Um, I got I to gotta keep it vague. Yeah, <laughs> listen, I, I think, you know, for me personally, 
you know, as a veteran, one of the easiest ones I can think of is like people not wanting to identify with PTSD, mm. right? PTSD has many shapes and forms. And you as a researcher notice, you know, a lot of people have childhood PTSD, relationship PTSD. It doesn't just come from veterans, you know. And um, there's another series uh, that recently came out. It was a TV show called Them. And um, it touched on uh, the traumas of veterans and how it, it coexisted with the traumas that black America was experiencing during the redlining phase. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, when I think when you talk about identifying with PTSD, people always think, oh, this person it was in war. It's all, you know, theater time and, and this, this and this. Sometimes it's that, that you know, the, the trauma of being shifted from going to growing up in America to not being able to pick out what you're going to wear, you know, um, the trauma of hearing a siren, you know, things like that. Small nuances that are that are wrapped in military service get overlooked and people think that PTSD means a certain thing. So a lot of veterans don't even want to identify with it. And that's really a tragedy, you know, because those other things are the things that are passed down, you know, like, again, um, slavery. You know, a lot of those to be a slave book, you know, like there, there's so much literature written on the trickle down effect of slavery, you know, down to us not looking at, you know, less melanated people in their eyes when we're walking past them. Well, that mm. comes from slavery. You know, people don't want to acknowledge that, but I'm from the South. So <clears throat> we, we learn about that in school, you know. So I think when you talk about how all of those things intermingle, you know, a lot of people don't realize that everything is connected in every way. And when you don't identify with something, you're allowing other people to make you be associated with something else. You, you don't, you thought, so are you, you're doing what I'm doing right now. You throw, you throw, <laughs> you throw, you throw a lot out there. Yeah. Um, no, but I, th I think that's, this is part of the contrast of the unpacking. Mm -hmm. um, because when we're thinking specifically about, as you're describing, times of non-melanated people, not looking them in the eye, encountering sundown towns or understanding families that come from sundown towns mm -hmm. um in the greater scheme of the scheme of what am i and what am i not because mm -hmm. i would just remember when you said that I, I think about i am not your boy yeah i'm wrong like i still have a hard time even acknowledging that but it's like i am not your boy yeah i am not but but also realizing the things that that are somewhat demonized, that are misunderstood. There are things that I've been that I probably probably didn't sit in at times because I'm worried about perception. Yeah. Because I'm like, I'm not going. I'm I'm your guy. Like I'm, I'm your I, guy. <laughs> I'm, I'm the guy you were looking for. Yeah. But you're not going to call me by that by that name. I'm your guy that you're looking for, and I and I and I recognize that in particular ways where. I don't want that to be the name, but recognizing who am I as an individual? Mm -hmm. How do I have space? How do I cultivate? How do I how do I change the narrative and, and take ownership of those things? Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> because I think in a larger piece, and when you're not able to take ownership, this is a mental break. Yeah, not just not just a mental. There need there's a mental break in terms of what is allowed and what's not allowed. Yeah. Also, you know, I think. A lot of times, like I said, it's the negative connotations that we place on some of those identifiers, right? Like those need to be reworked just like everything else is being reworked. You know, 
laws don't stay the same. They, they change and progress with times, but we're still thinking of mental health as a negative stigma, mm. you know, versus, you know, people going to therapy and things like that. You got podcasts like Black Girl Therapy, and some people won't even listen to it because they don't want to go to therapy because they don't want to, you know, seem like they have a problem. And it's like, why not? You know, why, why don't you want to talk about your feelings? Why don't you want to learn tools to unlearn the tools that was placed on you for oppression? You know what I mean? And it's like knowledge is definitely power. And I just strongly feel like, like I said, we all have a responsibility to share that with each other, to identify as we are and to help each other be better if that's what they want to be. You know? so, so I want to get into that question about black women <clears throat> and and mental health, because the first thing I thought about, we talk about the um, the luxury to not answer, mm-hmm. um, but also the luxury of, of our own self-care to operate in spaces. Because when we think about the context of mental health, mental challenges, how many people have time to actually unpack their their mental wellness like what what does a mental wellness situation look like for them yeah versus like i, I just want what i want mm-hmm. and 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 what i want what i don't what i want i don't really know if it's the it's the best situation for me but the reality is like, i know actually like this is this is part of my wellness plan and part of my social interaction with everyone else like how do how do we how do we negotiate that and how do we deal with that because it's not always clean it's not. It's not. It, it's oftentimes ugly, you know, and nobody wants to look at themselves in the mirror. You know, that's why a lot of times people don't want to be in relationships. It, you know, they say, like, when you date someone, it's like a mirror, and, and you don't want to see those reflections of the shortcomings you that you yourself? have. You know, yes. <laughs> yes. I, I made a joke, you know, after my first divorce. I said, I'm married to myself. I did a Maya, you know, and it's like when you take time to learn yourself, sometimes you find those things that people were complaining about. The things that are your own shortcomings, you know, like um, one of my things I always tell people all the time, like one of my greatest strengths is one of my greatest weaknesses. Like I've lived in 17 different cities, you know, some people will call that instability, but that's how I have the resume I have. Yeah. That's how I have the perspective and the experience that I have. That's why all these people have hired me and they pay me very well to do what I do because I <laughs> because I have this breadth of knowledge now and you know, it's like you you can have two perspectives, but at the end of the day, you have to sit down and say, are you capable of actually being employed somewhere for a certain amount of time if you want to be? And to translate that into real life, are you capable of being in a relationship with someone long term and them being happy and you being happy? And if that person is yourself, can you sit with yourself happily for a year or two years, three years and not need anything? You know what I mean? And I think a lot of people don't take that time to say who is self, how to self interact with other things. What's the feedback I'm getting from other people? Do I have anything to corroborate that? Or is it just me saying I'm a good person? Because I can say I'm a good person every day. But if no one else thinks I'm a good person, then, you know, (laughs) what difference does it make? Right. And it's like to your point, it's like, where do we find the time? How do we get to that point? Well, everybody got 24 hours out of every day. Right. This right now, it could debatably could be a therapy session. You know, we Always. watch podcasts. We, we on feeds all day, every day. We go into events. We at wind down. You know, we're doing all types of stuff. But like people are like, oh, but I didn't go to therapy this week. Well, if you sat and had a conversation with DJ about mental health, about the things you're struggling with, and then he gave you some tools that you didn't have starting that conversation, that's you working on yourself. You know, so I think 
like I, like I said, destigmatizing what does it look like to get better as well. Like it doesn't always look like you being in therapy and therapy don't look the same as it did 60 years ago. You know what I mean? So, you know, to get off the therapy, like I said, everything can be therapy. Painting can be therapy. Making jewelry can be therapy. Doing hair, cleaning stuff, making things. You know, we find therapy in everything that we do. So for me, where do I find time? You got to work that into your schedule. You know what I mean? Like, I think being in the military taught me that. You can do a lot with 10 minutes. <laughs> you can do a lot with 10 minutes. When I tell you I have a 10-minute routine to this day, like the trauma that I carry with that is I can take a shower in less than two minutes. You know what I mean? And it's like people are like, what? Can you really? Yes, you can. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you really can. You know, so. Especially when you got a lot of hot water. Yeah, get the, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's essential things, right? You need soap. You need water runner. You need something to rub with. And it's like hit the spots, you know. So if you're not, if you know, if you know what you need to do, right, theoretically speaking, from a scientific standpoint, right, you should be able to do the formula condensed. So if you only have 30 minutes out of the day that's free, then take all the elements that you need and condense it. So so we talk about the luxury, but you said something clear that get triggered, not triggered me, but made me think about it. Knowing what you need to do. Knowing what you need, yes. Be because before when you said, you said there are folks that have podcasts or therapy podcasts, male or female, um, that talk specifically about practices that they can do. But I just recognize what science says that folks don't have an attention span to be, I mean, Every podcast I listen to is probably over thirty five. I know our yeah. podcast is probably more than thirty five, but I'm like, I hope folks, I hope folks working it in. But okay. um, understanding that attention span, mm -hmm. and understanding that does someone have enough attention span to to help themselves, right? becomes becomes an important question for them. Because when I teach management classes, students have expectations. I'm like, well, are you going to commit the time to what you want? Yeah, that's that's really important. Cause because it's different where it's like, okay, I can talk with someone, they can sit down, have a conversation, okay, painting, um, taking a walk. But sometimes just not the fact that you just don't know mm -hmm. is somewhat complicated. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's not comp and it, it can be different, not just complicated. There can be things that are just barriers in one's place that you like you filled up too many portions of your plate and never actually gave any time to yourself in, in, a, in a very Ooh. true way. Yeah. And I, and I think that's part, that's, and I, not to diagnose people, but I can, I could diagnose a person and tell what their plate is full of and where their self care is. And I've avoided testing. So I've, I need to do better at that because normally your plate's full with things. And then you try to figure out how to get, how to get your time back. back. Yeah. Buying back your time. Reclaiming your time, right? I love that song. Reclaiming your time. That's important. Jasmine Sullivan. Yeah, you, you got you to gotta do it, you know. And I tell people that all the time. They're like, Key, how do you do this? You know, how you doing that? I'm like, I, I use my time wisely. I've been doing that since I was a kid. And sometimes that look like you're being all over the place to other people. That's because they're not dialed into what you're doing, mm. right? See, if my if my piece is I need to have the freedom to create however I want, then maybe one day I am painting, and then the other day I'm making home decor, and then the other day I'm writing a dissertation. You know, like those all could be creativity for me, and so that's my thing that I'm doing that day. And you might not know, like, maybe I'm doing that the same hour every day repetitively, right? So repetition, that's another thing. If you only have a five-minute attention span, 
do it for five minutes every day. Mm. That's going to add up. Because you know you only got five minutes. You know, it's like I I speak in engineer talk and you speak in research. It's like as an engineer, if you got one T, right, one junction and you turn it so many different ways, you can build a house with that. It's like if you do it, if you repeat the process over time, it'll build something. You know, we talk about planting seeds. What kind of seeds are you planting if your attention that you're giving doesn't grow back into you. If it's not feeding back into you, you should not be pouring into it. And I think, like, something you said triggered something for me as well. Like, a lot of times people don't know what they need because they don't take that time to sit down, but they also don't ask other people. See, you know how they always say, like, oh, your, your parent or someone around you knows you better than you know yourself? That's true because they're always watching you, mm. right? So, again, in research, what do we do? We watch a specimen, right? Mm-hmm. So why do you think that you would be the best observer of yourself? You never observe yourself. You're always living in your own body. So asking for those resources, you know, using your resources by asking other people saying, hey, have you noticed that I've been kind of off lately? Yeah, I have. What is it that you think is off? Like, what, what have I been doing that makes me be off? They might be able to tell you, well, you've been showing up late to work. You've been doing this. You've been doing that. Usually you always wearing a suit. Now you got on a T-shirt or vice versa. You know, you always wearing sweats. Now you start wearing suits. I don't get it. You know, you seem less happy. Like, And it's like when you take the time to ask people around you, they might already know the things you need to work on. You talking about some earned qualities because <laughs> because because you have that means you have to give this person a certain level of um um, affirmation, affirming their particular opinion. Um, but not that a lot of folks watch mm-hmm. with their own idea, going back to what they choose to recognize and listen to, mm-hmm. that it's. I think it's rare for a lot of people to have a, I don't know, I mean, have a large cadre or group of people that really understand, like, this is who I am. Yeah. And this is, and actually, who you see me as is also a line where where I'm where I gotta go. Where I gotta go. That's that's really important. Because, because they'll just acknowledge me in a season yeah. and provide like a little kind of like some observant information to be able to say, okay, I I think I I see that you understand that there's a difference mm-hmm. but not understanding of the plan. And then I have to decide Ooh. how to decide we got because we got because I, I think this is this is a perfect segue before you answer the segue when we're talking about the mental health and what is in mental health mm-hmm. because I think these components are there where you're having more existential moments about self as it's divide as it's dividing as it's building as it's rotating and then those that are around that have this influence to be able to even have an opinion on it yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it, it's really important, I think, to have a, a support group, mm-hmm. you know, whatever that looks like for you. I know some people who only trust one person <laughs> and that one person might give them everything they need. And hey, more power to you, you know, but I I enjoy a lot of things. Right. So I have a lot of different areas of trust and, and confidence. You know what I mean? So it's like where I may go to my family for something that really is true, like a life decision. I might need to go to a mentor or a coworker for something that's career related because I'm a first gen college student and mm. I'm in a place that my you know my parents have never lived and I work in a career nobody has ever worked in so they can't give me any advice on that. 
you know. So I think, again, it goes back to self. You need to know yourself well enough to say, who in my life can actually speak on these things? Mm. And if the thing that you want them to speak on is areas of growth, where do you want to grow? So identifying where do you want to grow? Do I actually want to be in a place where I can sit with myself in a room and not get sad? And if I do, what am I thinking about that's making me sad? What does it look like for me to be happy? When's the last time I've been happy? You know, and I think, again, those conversations are not being had, you know, to the point of those those two beautiful women that were, they already went through so many obstacles to get to where they were. You know, we talk about, I'm sure you can relate to this, being a black man in America with a PhD, right? Mm -hmm. These women are now PhDs. Not only that, they have gotten enough clout in their field to get in the positions they were in. And then they're being attacked for who they were, mm. right? So when you talk about where I want to go, it's where they were. That was their downfall, right? And for one of them, unfortunately, it sounds like a lot of the where she was was just the color of her skin, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the fact that she was a woman and was in a position of power to say the things she said. And, and that's unfortunate, you know, because she could have been on a place where she could have done a lot of things in her position had they given her the opportunity. And I hope that, you know, her resigning is reflected on by a lot of women of color in education and academia and study. You know, like, why did we allow for this to happen? Because to my point, it's not just one person that is a reflection of all these things. You know, it's like, again, whenever someone you know, commit suicide, they always look around, all the friends always say, I wish they would have came to me, right? So Sometimes they did. Sometimes they did. Most of the, most of the, t- most of the time they did. That's the point. That's, it that's wasn't what I'm clear. saying. Most of the time they did. Sometimes they did, but what did they say, right? Because if they said <clears throat> to you, hey, I'm having a really bad day, I'm feeling like I just can't get anywhere with this work that I'm doing, nobody's understanding, and you brushed it off and kept scrolling, Mm-hmm. And then you miss that conversation, and then God forbid something happened the next day. Now you're sitting there thinking, man, how long, what did it take for them to come to you and say that? Right? Why do they have to go that deep for you to listen? And that's the point that I'm saying. Like, we need to be more attentive to each other, you know, and be more cognizant of each other to help each other with our own struggles. Because when, same way I can help you find your happiness, you can help me find my areas of growth as well. You know, and and it does take trust for that to occur. <laughs> it's my daughter. It, uh, so when you say that, I th- I think about, and I th- I want to specifically have the conversation about um, black women's mental health stigma in higher ed, the academy, and just everywhere that it exists, mm-hmm. because we do know data shows that there are more resource groups. Mm-hmm. The effectiveness of them is is still kind of hard to 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 gauge based on depending on what the group dynamic is, um, and then also the larger conversation as like we've had the black male mental health conversation and also saying that there's a lack of space for it, but also um, gender ideas or masculine ideas to themselves about this is not what we do, and so how do we have healthy spaces? where we see each other as assets for each other. But also, I, I want you to I want you to at least have we, us have conversations about the mental health stigma, or not stigma, or the breakdown in those spaces because we see a large presence of black women in higher ed, STEM institutions, 
education um, at the K to 12 level, corporate America. But no one asked, asked the question about satisfaction and mental wellness. Like, am I happy with what I'm doing? Mm-hmm. Um, and are you a serial entrepreneur? So I think see, entrepreneurship comes out of a like anarchist moment that's happening with corporate America. It's like, this, I can't fit in here. Versus like, versus like, I want an industry that rivals this. It's like, this space is not creating space. Mm-hmm. And to create that freedom and that and that um, freedom sense of self has required that because when I see individuals that are breaking down in the spaces and not feeling supported, it's, it's funny. Like I have some of these some of these scholars talking about, well, why would you expect the space to actually do anything that's going to support your mental health? Mm-hmm. This is something we've known from K to twelve. Yeah, yeah. The whole the whole system is broken for people that look like us, right? And so I think it's really important, like I said, to have know your tribe, know your tribe, know your audience, you know, because, again, you're not looking to go into an institution that's predominantly not you and feel welcome. Right. You're not. It's great that they have all these um, organizations that do support different, you know, ethnicities and make you feel like you're welcome, feel like there's a, a space for you to identify in. But to your point, the effectiveness of those groups, what are they doing? when all those people come together, right? What kind of space are you creating on on campus for those people? When that person talks out against the institution, are you still retaliating? Mm. Are you going around what's illegal to retaliate? Because that's what happened in these two instances, right? Because now, instead of them talking about her work, instead of them talking about her actual supervision, her, her accolades that led to her promotion to being the head of Harvard, they talked about the plagiarism that may have occurred allegedly mm-hmm. for her PhD, which she earned decades ago. So why is that even being brought up is the question, right? You know, and it's and that's why I say it's very important to have a stronghold around you because, and again, I'm sure she does, but from my perspective, you know. She still, she still earned her salary, so I know. That's what I'm saying, that's, right? That's, that's a, I kind of, it, for, as an educator, I'd be like, you know what? I don't got to be the president. I she, can still. Listen, she making good money, <laughs> you know? she's She was the head. And it's like, when you're in that position and then someone just takes it away from you, you know, and the way a lot of these things happen, it'll be donor-led petitions. Well, that just means someone else cared enough about you not succeeding that they funded a whole campaign to defund you. You know what I mean? And it's like, if you think about the power of knowing other people, had she had somebody that was the same amount of power as those people fighting fighting her battle for her, she wouldn't even have to say anything. You know what I mean? And that's why I say it's very important for people who are in like-minded fields, like-minded um, paths to really collaborate. You know, that's my that's been my main thing since I was a kid. And um, I want to touch on this real quick because you talked about entrepreneurship. It's like, there's a huge wave of entrepreneurs, and I love it as an entrepreneur. I love seeing that because I've always wanted other people to collaborate with. However, I became a business owner at 15. So that wasn't something that I did after I realized the space wasn't meant for me. Mm-hmm. Right? See, the space never been meant for me because I'm mixed. So you look one way or you don't look the other, and then you never fit in wherever you are. You know what I mean? Versus somebody like President Obama, who's like always accepted, right? They're like, yeah, that's my first president, first black president, this and that. And then you get somebody of a lighter hue, you know, come right after as the VP. 
you know, and they're like, oh, well, she didn't really do much for us. Did she? Mm. Do you really know her background? Because the VP is Blasian, you know, and she's done a lot of things for our community and is still doing those things. But people are picking away at her. Picking away, picking away, picking away. Who, so I, I, I actually, I'll actually it. So who do you think, like, not so we know, like, the the agenda or people that are have this this momentum to pick out a way to create this colorism this gender divide um, because it's always hard to pinpoint where it happens because I do understand pandering mm-hmm. I do understand when individuals want to try to galvanize support. But once they get what they have or they want, then it's kind of like, ah, all right, cool. See you later until ne- until next time. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is like acquisition and resource gathering versus saying like there are some intentional things that we want. Because I think when sometimes when people do not have the flexibility to operate in different spaces, they're trying to choose the safest bet for themselves, mm-hmm. which is different than saying like, Everybody doesn't have that just lat- latitude, right? And and I, and I and I'm and I'm trying to keep it in the context of the mental health pieces because before the action actually happens, these are intentional decisions of thinking like what is the what is the safest reality towards one's success and progress, right? Versus a collective view of am I taking on too much mm-hmm. by trying to be this person and be this image for a larger group, and I feel like I'm failing. Yeah, that that's really important right there. Because I, I, I find it difficult when people, like, I'm not saying everybody has this, like, they may have an aura of success, mm-hmm. but those in their in their first personal mental space and, and um, self-perceptions don't feel as successful as they as everyone thinks that they are. Yeah, um, well, I mean, success looks different to everyone, right? Yeah. It's, it's what are you measuring it by? Are you measuring by how much money I make? Are you measuring by how many titles I've gotten? How many people say I'm successful? You know, so I think that's that's also important. And I think a lot of people don't, again, take the time to reflect and say, what does success look like for me? Because to a lot of people um, who who jump on waves for the fad, right? They're like, mm-hmm. oh, right now, success looks like I was able to quit my job and be a full-time entrepreneur. Well, do you know what it's like to manage a business? Have you ever managed anything in your current job? Are you good at it? Right. Why do you think that doing it for yourself is going to be any easier? So then their business fails in the first two years and now they have to go work back at a job. Right. Mm -hmm. And they feed into the system and they're mad. And so for me, again, seeing seeing that that process happen, you know, from a bird's eye view, I always think to myself, like, what is it that you were seeking when you left? Right. Was it that you wanted to be heard in a meeting? Were you saying anything substantial? Did you say it in a way that could be received well? If you were cool right but if you didn't start there first you know what i mean and and that goes to everything you know what i mean i think if you apply that everywhere other people would again stop stigmatizing mental health as something that shouldn't be talked about because you're literally talking about the health of your mental your mind moves everything right mind body and spirit and so mm-hmm. if those things are not in alignment nothing you do will be a reflection of you and if you don't know what you are, how are you reflecting anything other than what other people are putting on you? You so so when we com- we first had a conversation, we talked about the stigma of taking a mental health break. Mm-hmm. 
talk more about that because I think that's that's an important key because I, I think there's I think we're moving in spaces gender wise gender wise about what mental health is whether it's just therapy the different options of what therapy can be mm-hmm. but also there's a stigma around taking a mental health break. Yeah, you know, knowing and doing is different. No, knowing <laughs> and doing is two different things, you know. And, and I personally, I had, I definitely had some times where I was one of those people that I didn't think that people needed to take mental health breaks, right? Mm. Especially again, being a military brat, having served myself, you know, it's like sometimes you don't have a, a option to, to take a break. So I was guilty of always pushing through, pushing through, pushing through, keeping it to myself when things bothered me, especially in the workplace, bringing it home. You know, and then you bring that energy home. And so um, you, you're in that vicious cycle, right? And then you only get the weekend. But then you got so much to do. It's the weekend so, now. <laughs> so, you know, as I started going, as I started progressing, you know, times were progressing as well. And then it became a thing. Oh, you can take mental health break, right? And then it was like, well, everyone knows who takes the mental health breaks, <laughs> which is completely illegal. We should not be doing that, okay. right? In the office, we should not know who's on a mental health break, right? But it's like... You know, fast forward to now, you know, over 10 years later, you know, I'm out right now on a mental health break. Mm -hmm. And it's like I worked in my profession for over 10 years. Of course, I'm exhausted. Mm -hmm. You know, I've never taken a break. I've always had multiple jobs because I ran a business and I worked a full time job and I've been in school. You know, so it's it's always something that you need a break from. But for me, I think taking a mental health break, it's like even my family don't really understand why I'm out right now, right? They're like, oh, you seem fine. Like, you, you're you out, you're doing... I'm like, yeah, but to to your point, put on that suit every day, right? And fight that fight that you have to fight in certain fields. You need a certain amount of energy. And when your home life and other things are also not in order, sometimes you need time to get those things in order first. And then you, re, then you recalibrate, you know what I mean? So, you know, I'm no... Like I said... You can Google a lot of things about me. And, yeah. and, and even though I worked in the government, a lot of my business stuff is very public. And so it's like, yeah, I went through a, a divorce when I came up to Yale, you know, and it was very, very triggering for me to be on campus at times because I worried, do these people know her? Has she said anything to them? You know, I had like a defamation suit against her. It was a lot going on. Had a restraining order and all of that. And so for me to take time off work, you know, in the office, my boss, again, I'm very transparent he knew what was going on, so he didn't really ask any questions. But when you start being off longer, it's like, well, when are you coming back? Because I see you doing all this stuff, but when are you going to come back? And and I say all the time, it's like, if I'm speaking to a physician, right, and I have multiple physicians telling me where I'm at mentally, and they're telling me, hey, you need to take time off, right, as a person I am, why would I not listen? You know, and my doctor had to tell me, hey, you need to take some time to yourself, you know, Shit, I tore my Achilles uh, tendon three months into working at Yale, and I never have, have ever used any kind of disability. And I, I'm very grateful for the benefits I had because I got the time off while I literally couldn't walk, right? But I went back as soon as I could walk. As soon as they cleared me, I went back. And I didn't think about the impact it had to my mental, not being able to walk. You know, and it's like some people might hear that and think, why would you think you could go back? And other people might hear it and say, what's wrong with that? And that's what I mean by there's a stigma around it because there are a lot of mental things that come with being disabled. I'm going to say something I think that it just resonated with me exactly exactly what you're describing. And so maybe I haven't had this in a, in a work history. And I'm sure that, I mean, obviously we're grieving right now, family death. 
Yeah. Um, but also Good just appreciate that. and just But navigating in terms of work and trying to figure out, can you have a break? Mm-hmm. Because I remember being in college as an athlete um, and coach asked you, are you hurt or are you injured? So, right. Because <laughs> his question is like, hey, man, you can get practice, but mm-hmm. it's it's been Monday, Tuesday. So now instead of it just being a conversation of, yo, are you are, are you the are you the best person to come back? Um, to perform the way that you left or or are you just you milking it? Mm-hmm. And I think that plays on your psyche with someone that wants to be, I want to be what I left, mm-hmm. but I understand that it's a work in progress. So maybe I left at 90 and now I'm back at 70, but I still, have to, and being in an institution that wants to still support, like I'm just saying, I can come back, but, but I, we're not coming back to be a liability in the space that we're doing. Yeah, I can try to hold it together. And so I think the point, not just the two situations we're talking about, because I think one is was just more so just about a political view mm-hmm. that wasn't that wasn't appreciated by the institution or wasn't backed by the institution versus actual plagiarism. And then the other one, this idea of bullying and complaints that are just being ignored. Yeah, that that one is, is really the one that touched my heart. It's like she had these very clear indications, you know, it kind of reminded me of like, you know, the veteran that, that um that got murdered on uh Fort Hood, you know, she was a, a private, you know, in training and she disappeared and they reported her missing and then an investigation was launched, it was discovered she was murdered and it's still they still have not gotten justice for that soldier. She was actively serving and it's like she had a whole history of her reporting her squad leaders, reporting her her commanders, reporting this, reporting that, and all of that was brushed under the rug and then she went missing, you know, and it's like when I hear stories like that, again, I, this is why I say it's important to speak out about these things. You know, that's why I reached out to you because, again, those those things that are happening are happening everywhere. And I think it's very important that we have a dialogue around it. And part of the solution is not only listening long enough to hear this part of the podcast, but mm-hmm. is what do you do with the information, right? After you heard all of those things and other people also are experiencing the same thing you're experiencing are you being part of the problem when you go back to work? Are you being part of the solution? You know. How do you feel about limit pushing? And and I think of what I'm saying that I'm thinking about everyone is trying to not always succeed, but they're trying to be the best version. And and you you straddle the line by trying to get too close to your to the new stage. Mm-hmm. Hit hit the checkpoint, create yourself different. I don't know, bury yourself in the midst of this thing, trying to, I don't know, come out as the Phoenix and like, I'm now, now I'm new. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a, I'm challenged to not create mediocrity, Mm -hmm. but also talk about how do we have healthy mental health strategies while also pushing the boundaries of, of our conditions to be more, to understand circumstance to, but not to fall in into it's like everybody doesn't get out of their grave. You know, it's like I said, it, the real tragedy is I think a lot of times we wait until we find out what our limit is before we start placing limits on ourselves. And that only applies to the ones who are actually ambitious, right? Because the other ones, they play it safe and they're too scared to even find out what their limit is. And I pity those people as well. You know, so I'm still trying to find that happy medium. You know, you're talking to somebody who pushed herself past the point the point that I literally tore my Achilles tendon, you know, and it's like when you, I don't know a louder way to say sit down 
than that, you know, because I was pushing it, pushing it, pushing it. You know, I had just relocated from the DMV area. I hit the ground running, wrote an MOP within the first 90 days. You know, I had already already had started running projects and stuff, and, and I wasn't even in that place. My boss had set a goal for me to start running projects within a year, and I was already running projects less than 90 days in. Mm. You know, so when you talk about the stigma, right, and that's why I say a lot of times we have different – um, goals for ourselves than other people have for us, right? So he set a goal that he thought was reasonable, but I knew because I was the only woman, only person of color on the floor, I need to make sure that I show them that I'm worthy of the seat, right? But a lot of times we forget you already got the seat, you know? Mm-hmm. They already gave you the seat. Like, do the goal, you know what I mean? If you find that when you get your foot in, you're okay, then ramp it up, but just do it a little bit, you know, and I had to learn that. Like I was giving way too much to the workplace because I would get off work and I would only have 20% to give left to my businesses. And then my business would suffer because I gave 120 in my day job. And sometimes that looks like you get off work and you can't give your family the hundred percent because you gave your job the hundred percent and then you bring home the energy. So you give a negative energy to the family, you know, and it's, everybody has those things. And I think, like I said, it's really important for us to identify our own limits first and do it within reason. You know, for me personally, I, I, I'm a very spiritual person. So I look to God for my limits you there we know, go. and I pray for, for guidance with my own limits. But for other people, like I said, some people know that they are just skating through life and they don't even care to see where their limit is. And I would challenge those people too, because where you are not actually working, somebody else is picking up the slack. And they might be tired, you know? They might be tired. Like, pick up the slack. Do something a little more and find out how much more you can do. You just coasting, collecting your check if you at work, or you just coming home every day, your girl washing all the dishes and everything. <laughs> like, you know, cook one day. You know, it's like, it's it's a basic example for everything. But like I said, I just feel like we need to baseline down. I, um, I got the pleasure of seeing Ruby Bridges at... Um, one of the uh, events they had for MLK commemoration, and she said something very, very, very um, resonating. She said that she don't think that the problem that we're facing right now is uh, racism at all. She said she thinks that it's a battle of good and evil. And mm. I would I would tend to agree with her because a lot of times some of those people that are hating on you, especially in the corporate field, where, like I said, it's a hashtag to be black in STEM or, or Asian in STEM or whatever, you know, a lot of times the people that are hating, are, they look just like you, you know? So it's like, what is the intention? What are your intentions? Because my intentions are pure everywhere I go. So obviously you're navigating a multiple terrains and just thinking about that conversation about whether it's race, folks that look like you, the battle fatigue of work, um, institutional violence. Like, What are the strategies that you would put in place or suggest to those that potentially hearing this and experiencing the same things? Man, first and foremost, like, please reach out. You know, like like you said, the hashtag or the, the handle's going to be on here after the episode. <laughs> reach out to people. You know, like, if you don't have, if you're one of those people that DJ's talking about that you don't have a support system, you know, like, reach out to us. Like, we're real people. We actually check our DMs. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I do check my DMs. Like, <laughs> like, I got you. Like, yeah, I'm always outside. Like, you'll see me at an event. You can speak to me. You know what I mean? Like, I, like I'm just a person. I put on my pants one leg at a time just like you. You know what I mean? And it's like, reach out. I can't say that enough. Like, the second thing I would say is 
educate yourself. Educate yourself on yourself. Mm. You know what I mean? What What is it about V that makes V V? Because every time I had a moment where I felt like I was losing myself, I start there. You know, I start there and I say, what is it that I'm doing that's not serving me? Why don't these people know that I'm an artist? You know, because that happened to me one time. I'm working, working, doing my thing. I'm, I'm, you know, getting all the awards. And then I wore like a shirt that I had painted. And somebody was like, where'd you get that shirt? And I told them, oh, I made this. They're like, you paint? And it just, it, it was the worst thing I heard all day. It struck me so bad. I was like, wow, he doesn't know how to paint? And some people hear that and laugh. And I'm like, you don't understand as an artist, for someone to not know that I paint, it's like, wow. To not know you. Yeah. And they've been around. To not know that I'm an artist, right? And it's like, if you're a baker, right? And you work as an accountant and you've never brought cupcakes into the office, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's I like, you. start with yourself first and, and see if there's any areas that, that would make you say, wow, why don't they know this about me? You know, and then, like I said, the third thing would be repetition. Do more of that thing that make you happy. You know, do more of that thing that make you happy. And, and then solicit some people to actually hold you accountable. Hey, DJ, I ain't seen you release a podcast episode in like, you know, two months. What you doing, bro? You good? You know what I mean? Like, you're like, AV. We, we're, like, we're not gonna take a two month break. You know what I'm saying? Like, like call, call people out, you know, from a place of love, not from a place of, to your point, like, they hating, they just doing all, no, like, out of genuine love, like, hey, bro, are you okay? Like, yeah, this but... used to be your thing every Sunday and I ain't seen it, you know? Like, just do that. And sometimes you'll find out, like, wow, I didn't even know you knew I did a podcast, right? And it's like, that lets you know. That gives you a good feeling. Nah, you know? So that's, that's what I would tell people who are, like, hearing this and it's resonating with them, you know? Because, like, like I said, we're, we're living in a generation where we are rewriting everything. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important that we are documenting everything that is going to be a part of the solution. And that's why I love podcasts. You know, I, I support everybody who publishes stuff because we are writing history right now sure. and you know to ruby ridge's point it's like all the people who made sacrifices before us they're gone sure. right and the place that they sacrificed for it exists right now i'm a product of it you know what i mean i have two parents who are not of the same race you know so it's like we're here in a new era now what's the next challenge and i feel like the next challenge is like i said getting people to really help each other no matter what they look like, no matter how much they make, no matter, you know, this, this, and this, because we got to get back to seeing people as people first, you know? I love that. <laughs> I'm going to let you get the last, but I appreciate you coming today. I'm going to let you get the last word. We're getting ready to close out. Um, appreciate you, bro. Where can everybody find you? And also even refer to individuals that can find help. So obviously go watch our podcast, but other places that folks that you, that you found help, that they can find help because the more we can put it out there and hopefully they get through the full 50 minutes. <laughs> and get to the end and, and, and get a and yeah. get a get a get a resource. But yeah. Okay. Well yeah, y'all can follow me on IG. Uh where is V? It's my last name, W A R E is V I. That's short for Violeta. Um and uh my my website for Beware Designs is BewareDesigns.com. Um that cool podcast I was talking about, Black Girl Therapy. Y'all should y'all can find her on Apple Music, all of that. Um but yeah, um On Purpose by Jay Shetty. Another really nice, uh, you know, podcast by a former monk. Uh, he, he says a lot of things that if this stuff resonated with you and you're looking for some tools, he might be able to help you out. With that being said, this is the Dr. DJ podcast sponsored by LGBG. Let God be God. I'm your host, DJ. Peace. <laughs>